to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to have Bible study. I'm excited about Bible study tonight. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to be reading any scriptures, so I'm just going to go ahead. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? Amen. Praise God. Amen. You know, it's amazing how we become so much traditional sometimes, and then we become, it, it gets doctrinalized. Traditional start getting doctrinalized. And so, um, but anyways, praise the Lord. Um, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm not going to be reading any scriptures tonight, but I'll be talking about Bible. Is that okay? I've had men that have got up and read scriptures, and then they didn't hardly say anything about the Bible. Praise God. Just kidding. All righty. Praise the Lord. So we are on lesson number seven, and I am really excited about it tonight. Amen. And the first thing we're going to talk about is how that Jesus teaches about the new birth. Aren't you glad for the new birth? Praise God. The new birth, amen, is a biblical thing. And uh, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Praise God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus talks about the new birth in the New Testament. Amen. He received mixed reactions in his ministry. The Bible tells us that the common people heard him gladly, Mark 12 and 37. He came preaching the gospel to the poor, Luke 4 and 18. But the learned people did not accept him very well especially the priest and the Sanhedrin. Isn't that amazing how the church did not accept him of that day? Amen. John 12, 42. But there was a man in there by the name of Nicodemus. Do y'all, have y'all ever met Nicodemus yet? You know Nicodemus? There was a man there by the name of Nicodemus. Praise the Lord. He was of the Pharisees, and uh, his name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Now, um, he believed in Judaism, but he also understood and he also recognized that Christ was doing miracles. And so he was, able, he was wanting to accept it, but he came to Jesus by night because he did not want to have any conflict with the rest of his uh, fellow brethren. Praise God. And he told God he's at night. He caught him at night, came to him at night, in the darkness of night, and he said, I know that thou art a teacher come from God, because no man can do these miracles. Now, Nicodemus gave Jesus a compliment, but Jesus turned the table and uh, told him something that he needed to do. Praise God. Nicodemus, he didn't ask Jesus a question. He just gave him a compliment. But Jesus said unto him that the only way that a person can enter into the kingdom of heaven, praise God, is to be born again. And Nicodemus was confused because the only thing that Nicodemus could think about was, of course, a baby being born. And so he thought, what am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to go through being born like a baby again? And uh, when I'm old, how can I do that? And, uh, of course, Jesus told him, he said that that is a physical birth, but I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Now, we understand that today because we've heard it and heard it and heard it. But that could have been really, really uh, confusing to Nicodemus when he first heard it. He said, being born of the water and of the Spirit, praise God, the new birth 
uh, is being born of the water and the spirit and to be born again. Amen. Waters, the water refers to the water baptism and the spirit refers to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, some people that tries to get away from that baptism will go as far back as saying that when you were born, you have, your mother has water and et cetera, and that's the birth. That's not what Nicodemus, Jesus was telling Nicodemus because Nicodemus has already done that. But he told him, he said, this is, the prompt, this is how you are to uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus went on to Jerusalem to observe the Feast of the Tabernacles. And praise God, while he was there, amen, in that last day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, praise God, and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, nor Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 37 through 39. So let us understand what Jesus is saying here. First of all, Jesus says that the promise is to anyone. To anyone. Praise God. It's not specific. It was to anyone. Everyone on the day of Pentecost received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not just for specific people. The only qualification factor that must be there is that they must thirst. They must be hungry or they must thirst. A person must desire to have the presence of the Lord. A person must desire to have the Spirit of God. That person would obtain this promise must come to Jesus. You can get it no other way except through Jesus. The person who did receive the promise must believe on Jesus. He that believeth on me as the scripture have said. And then the rivers of living water will flow from that believer. And that is talking about the Holy Spirit. In other words, they'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. At that time, the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not crucified and glorified. There had to be a crucifixion and a resurrection so that we could rise in him as he rose out of the grave. Our repentance is our death. Our baptism is, praise God, uh, um, our burial. And our receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is our resurrection. They could not get the Holy Ghost because, first of all, their sins could not be forgiven because Christ was not crucified. But there was more than that. His crucifixion caused him to allow him to have a resurrection. And his resurrection is what we do. So when we're buried with him in baptism, we go down into grave and death, we come up, praise God, we are to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of God inside of us. That was the fulfillment of prophecy. The Old Testament prophets told about that. They told, Jeremiah wrote about the future covenant between God and the houses of Israel and Judah. It says, Behold, in the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, according to the covenant that I have made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. 
But this shall be a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after the day, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all will know me in, that la- in the least of them. Unto the greatest unto them, saith the Lord. For I will forever, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. That was Jeremiah. And so Joe also told about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. In Joe, in Joe, Joe foretold the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Joel 2 and 28. In his prophecy, he specified that there would be no difference in gender. Or age, praise God. Amen. It doesn't matter. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see visions and your young men shall dream dreams. Now, Jesus talked about this spirit that was going to be poured out on the day of Pentecost, which was a wonderful outpouring on that day. And as Peter told them, he said, for the promises unto you and unto your children and unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. If anybody ever asked you, and this is the best answer I've ever found, if anybody ever asked you, do I have to get the Holy Ghost? You tell them they're asking the wrong question. The question is, why wouldn't you want the Holy Ghost? Praise God. That's the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. Why don't you want the Holy I'm telling you what. The Holy Ghost is the greatest thing that God gave me in my life. I love it. Praise God. It's inside. Amen. There are times in my business and in my ministry, I look at people and I think, oh, I wish somehow you understood what I understand about this precious gift that he put down inside of me. Amen. And it's just, it's great to have the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but your Holy Ghost ought to be your best buddy. Praise God. He ought to be your best pal. Praise God. And you need to keep that pal in respect, even though he's your friend. You know, uh, they all say, well, you know, Abraham had a, 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 a friend, and that was God. But uh, he, he had him as a friend, but he had tremendous respect for him as a friend, too. He, he wasn't on the same premises he was. Praise God. So he ought to be your best pal. You ought to just talk to God, amen, all the time. And let the Holy Ghost move inside of you, work inside of you. Praise God and be obedient to the Spirit. And always remember that Holy Ghost will never do or tell you anything that is different than the Word of God. But Jesus went on to teach them in parables. Parables, praise God. The disciples, he began to talk to them in parables. Jesus taught parables. Oftentimes, when Jesus taught the parable, a parable was an earthly story that helped them with a spiritual application. Amen. It was used to teach them the true things about God. You know, God created the heavens and the earth. He created you and I. And of course, you know, God is God, and God's character bleeds through his creation. And so when he made a creation, he made it typically like a spiritual thing. When God set up the old tabernacle in the wilderness, it was a foreshadow or a thing that was to come. The tabernacle, of course, the brazen altar was repentance. The brazen labor was baptism. The fire on the seven golden candlesticks was the 
the, uh, the Holy Ghost, the gold was God, the fire, the wood was humanity, brass was judgment. All these things were uh, a representation of the New Testament. And so God's character bleeds through. And so when he created the earth and created the things and created simply things like sowing and reaping, he created them, praise the Lord, to help us understand you can sow. <laughs> you can sow. Amen. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I never have any luck sowing. I, I just got to tell you this. I did, uh, uh, one of my customers had a peach tree, and every time I'd go there in the summer and get peaches, they were the best peaches. And I took them peach seeds home, and I put them in pots, and I put them in the back. I watered them all winter long. I sat them out in the spring for the sun to get to, and they were about this high. Chris come by, and she says, what's this? And she slaps them. And I said, don't do that. That's my peach trees. She said, those aren't peach trees. She said, they're weeds. You got them all over the yard. And I did. Praise God. I can't do it. She can do it. But I can't do it. I cannot grow anything like that. And so, but the Lord uses sowing and reaping. He talked about the parable in Matthew chapter 13. He talked about how, amen, that the parable it gives accounts of things spiritually. And we can learn a lot of the spiritual things. And let's delve into a couple of them tonight. Praise God. The Bible talks about the sower that went forth to sow the seed. Now, you all know a lot of what I'm going to be telling you tonight. But we need to cap everything. We've been trying to cap everything so that you get a backup view. You know, you can go down and you can go into different parts of the world, but it's nice sometimes to back up and look at the world from a distance, and that's what we've been doing on our Wednesday night Bible studies. We're looking at the world from existence or from a distance. Amen. But the, he talked about the sower that went forth to sow the seed. Amen. The seed was sown, which was actually the word of God. The wayside soil represented the word, but it fell uh, Praise God, but it, it fell, amen, to those that didn't care for it or those that wouldn't understand it or comprehend it. And a lot of times, God, the reason they didn't understand it or comprehended it is because they didn't care to. They it was not interested in that. And the Bible says that the devil comes and he quickly takes away the word. Let me tell you something. When the Lord, even to us, when the Lord gives you a word, Amen. Do not take it lightly. When the Lord tells you to do something, you need to do it. When the altar call calls and the Lord says, get down to that altar, you need to get down there. When the Lord gives you a word, you need to grab that because the devil's going to come along and take it away. And then there was those that went on the stony ground. That represents those that hear the word and they receive it for the moment. But then, praise God, temptation comes and things comes their way. And before you know it, they, it is not well rooted in the word. They're not very strong in the word. And so then they go away. Then there's the stony ground. Stony ground represents those that hear the word. They even bear fruit. But they allow the cares and the pleasures of this life to wrap themselves around them. And then they go away. And then, of course, there's the good ground. That's the good ground represents those that hear the word, bring the word in, and obey the word. And, and even at that, the Bible says some are 100-fold, some are 60-fold, and some are 30-fold. 
Praise God. And so this parable stresses the importance of the Word of God and how that we need to allow the Word of God to come into our lives and to bear fruit. You see, there's no substitute. A person must love, develop a love for God's Word. We must love His words. That's why you're here on Wednesday nights, is because you love the Word of the Lord. You love to hear the Word of the Lord. I'm telling you, you know, getting somebody up here that's a good speaker or something is one thing, but to get somebody up in here that gives you the Word of God, when you can get excited about the Word. And then he turns to another parable, which is the pearl, and the pearl of great price. The parable of the pearl of great price is found in Matthew chapter 13. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, he sold, now look what it says, he sold all. All. It doesn't give a price on it. He said it, he sold all. Because it doesn't matter what you have to give up for God, every one of us has to give up all. Praise God. We have to give up all. And he bought it. That's what he bought that pearl with, was with a great price. When you see the Lord and salvation and Jesus, you've got to give up all. It doesn't mean you can't use it, or it doesn't mean you can't abide by it, but it means it does not control you. Praise God. You give it all up to the Lord. If you live your life and you everything that God has given you in this life, you understand it is his, not yours. Praise God. Sometime back, and you'll, you'll never know who it is. I have people call me all the time, but I was counseling with a, a gentleman about his daughter that was a certain age. She was up at about 21 years old. And all along, he kept saying, my daughter this, my daughter that. Finally, I stopped him. I said, she's not your daughter. She's God's. I said, God given you her on loan. I said, I'm, I know you understand that, but you've got to at least recognize that. Your children are God's. And I says, and you've got to do that for God to be able to work with her. She's not yours. She's God's, especially 21 years old. Praise God. So, you know, everything that you have, recognize this is God's. It's not hard for me to pay my tithes because that's God's to begin with. It's not hard for me to give my time to God because that's God's to begin with. And I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? There was a gentleman, amen, that the Lord moved on him to give somebody $400. And he gave, him four, gave away $400. And uh, he just felt the urgency to do it, do it, do it. And the very next day, he got a check in the mail for 21000 that he never dreamed was coming. And he said to me, he said, so I asked the Lord, I said, who else do you want me to give to $400 to? But everything that we've got is God's. And we've got to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do with it? Well, this world is not my home. When the rapture takes place, I don't want to be holding on to my business. I don't want to be holding on to my truck. I don't want to be holding on to my house. I don't want to be holding on to the things of this life. It's God's. I'm only here. He's only letting me to use it. He has given me this in this life, and he's going to count it accountable of how I use it. And so that pearl, first of all, let's look at some things. 
All of life is a search for the very best. When you found what the very best was, which was God, you need to sell everything. It's the most valuable thing in this world, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with, when truth is found, it is worth giving up everything to obtain it. Proverbs says, buy the truth. You know, Mike did a wonderful job Sunday night preaching on, on, on the truth. He meant, what is the truth? And I thought about the scripture, buy the truth. You can buy the truth. Why is there a cost on truth? Truth, cost. There's a price for truth. It hurts when you tell the truth sometimes. Praise God. There's a saying, the truth is worth more than it costs, and a lie costs more than it's worth. Praise God. Buy the truth. Amen. No matter what the cost, we need to buy the truth. Praise God. And we need to buy it, amen, not with money, but we need to buy it with our possessions and everything that God has given me. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I know when I gave my heart and my life to Jesus Christ many years ago and said, God, I'll do what you want me to do, that's when I really had life. Praise God. That's when God really touched me. And then, of course, God used the talents. He talked about the parable that Jesus told about the talents in Matthew 25, 14. Praise God. It concerns that God gives. He talked about going into a far country. Amen. And leaving his possessions with a man as he traveled into the far country. Some he gave five talents to one, two talents to another, one talent. Praise God. These servants used the money differently. The five used it wisely. The, uh, the, the, the other, the two talents used it wisely. And the one talent went and hid his talent because he said he was fearful. You know, it's amazing to me that when, G, when the master came back and addressed the one-man talent, he said, Lord, I knew that you was a, a wrath man. I knew that you was a stout man. I knew, so I took my talent and I hid it. Praise God. Jesus never addressed his excuse. He overrode his excuse. You know, sometimes we think we can come to God with excuses. God don't care about our excuses. You just didn't do it. Jesus, uh, the master never addressed his excuse, never softened on it. He said, you just didn't do it. So he took that talent away from him. Praise God. And so, amen, when we do that, we have to remember, praise God, that God gave us a lot of parables. We need to address those parables. But it wasn't long in the New Testament, after three and a half years, that Jesus started on the road to Calvary. In the last week of Christ's life before his crucifixion, he's, we, he's, we, they, there was many prophecies in the Bible that fulfilled his coming. Zechariah 9.9 tells about Jesus' road into Jerusalem on a donkey. This event is a commonly called the triumphal entry. Uh, it is found in Matthew also 21 and 1 through 17 with parallel accounts in Mark 11 and 1 through 11. Praise God. In, in Luke 19, 29 through 40, as Jesus and his disciples came near Jerusalem, he sent two of them to a nearby village with instructions to return with a donkey and uh, a colt 
and they would find. Jesus instructed them that if any man said unto them, they were to respond, the Lord hath need of them, which just blows my mind. He, he already pre-told them, this is what they're going to say, and this is what you're going to say. Whereupon they would be allowed to take the animals. The disciples did so, placing clothes upon the back of the animals and sitting Jesus on them. The great crowd of people greeted, praise God, the spreading garments on the pathway. Others placed branches of trees upon the ground for the animals to walk on. Multitude cried, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, the highest. As the procession came into Jerusalem, the cry went out, Who is this? This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of the Galilee, responded the multitude. The sad part about it was they wanted him to deliver them from the Roman dictatorship. And that's what their idea of him was. We've got to be careful that our idea of Jesus, amen, doesn't be so strong that we don't accept what the Bible tells us about him. If you find something that's different other than the scriptures, you need to change your thinking. I've often said, if I see something and I don't understand it, it's possible, amen, that I'm not looking at it correctly. Praise God. These people did not look at it correctly. They thought Jesus was coming, amen, as a deliverer from the Romans. And so they was really, and this really turned the heat up on the Sanhedrin because they understood that Jesus was getting power and they didn't want him to have that power. Praise God. But it would be a few days until the inhabitants of that same city would cry out, Hosanna to the son of David, would now be screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Think about that. Praise God. I'm telling you, people sometimes can be so fickle. I've had someone say to me, amen, they really like you. And I'd say, well, just give it time. They're building me a monument right now, but it may end up to be a silo or, a, a, I mean, a, uh, a hanging place by the time they're done. I don't know. Praise God. It's just, it's just amazing how, amen, people can change. People can just go from, it's worse than the weather. They want to make him, now they want to crucify him. That last supper, praise God, that Jesus went to, the next event that occurred was before the crucifixion was known as the last supper. Praise God. Matthew talks about it. Mark talks about it. Luke talks about it. Every year, the Jew kept the feast of the Passover in remembrance of their deliverance from uh, uh, Egyptian slavery. Now, that what is what it was implemented for. When the Lord brought them out of Egypt, it was a type of them going to bring them out of the world. He set that into motion so that the Passover would be there for Christ to be crucified. Everything in the Old Testament was set up for the New Testament. Praise God. During this week before Jesus was crucified at the Passover meal, Jesus instructed every, uh, every, something new for his disciples. As, and he said, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body and this is my cup, which give thanks for them, say, and drink. Of ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sins. Jesus revealed to his disciples 
that the meal would have a special meaning. He said that it was the Lord's Supper, and it signifies that Christ, the Passover, is, is sanctified for us. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7, Paul explained the meaning in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and 26. He said, for as oft as ye eat the bread and drink the cup, ye do show the Lord's death until we come. Praise God. You see, the, the cup, or the bread, represents Christ's body, which is just a representation of it. The fruit of the vine represented his blood. This ordinance was to be observed. This ordinance should continue until the Lord's return. Now, the thing of it is, one of these days, we're going to be sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that is going to be the most wonderful thing. And uh, so the Lord sat down. He ate with his disciples. He broke the cup. He ate. He said, this is to remember me. Continue to remember me. Continue to remember me. And when we get to heaven, we're going to sit around uh, the banquet hall, and we're going to uh, sup with the Lord, and we're going to be able to relax. I don't know about you, but some, I like eating and relaxing. And so, before Jesus instructed this supper, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. The disciples were very sorrowful and began to ask, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Jesus responded, He that dippeth in the hand in the dish, the same shall betray me. Judas then said, Master, is it I? You know, Jesus could have said, it is you. That's a nice example for me to understand. I don't know about you. Let me just say this first. I don't understand. I don't know about you, but I want to do what Jesus does. Jesus never called him out. Jesus never put him on the hot plate. He let him make his decision. Jesus replied, thou hast said. Judas then left his, the room and he went and did what he did. So Jesus starts for Gethsemane. After the supper, his disciples came to the Garden of Gethsemane. He told eight of them to remain behind, and he, he was going to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. That made the 11. Judas the 12th was gone. He went a little farther in the garden, and he asked them to watch with him. Watch with me. He was become very sorrow and heavy. And praise God. And he knew his crucifixion was coming. He knew that was coming. Jesus began to pray, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But he thought about it. He said, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Praise God. Then he returned to Peter and John and found them. He found them asleep. Praise God. And Jesus said to Peter, Could not you watch for just one hour? Praise the Lord. Have you ever been so tired it was hard? Praise God. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so, amen. They came, they got Jesus, and they was taking him for the trial. As Jesus was being tried, amen, the disciples had split. They'd run. Fear come upon them. Amen. Sometime later, amen, through much prayer, uh, he was there. Uh, he told uh, the Lord, he said, rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that betrayeth me. And while Jesus was still speaking, Judas came with a great multitude armed with swords and clubs. Judas tried to pretend like as if he was hailing Jesus 
as his disciple, but Judas then kissed him, and this was the betrayal signal that it was Christ, and the mob was there. Jesus said to Judas' friend, Wherefore thou come? Then they took Jesus. They took him to the trial, but the trial was a total mockery. There was nothing in the trial that was the way the trial should be. They broke so many rules, it was ridiculous. He was led to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered. Arrangements had been made to bring false witnesses to testify against Jesus so that he might be put to death. As far as the high priest was concerned, praise God, Jesus had, Jesus had sealed his fate. He tore his garment and said, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold now, we have heard the blasphemy. And he asked the others, he said, What think ye? And they agreed. And he was guilty of death. Then they spit in Jesus' face. They hit him. They struck him with the palms of their hands. And they jeered, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? Following this tragic event, Jesus was led from Caiaphas to Pilate. In John chapter 18 and verse 19, Pilate was the Roman governor over Judea. Nobody could in the Jewish nation could kill or to crucify, but the, the Romans could. And he was responsible to carry out the death penalty for the criminals. Pilate uh, tried to re get him released, but their accusation was brought against him over and over again. After questioning the Jews, the Pilate went out to the judgment hall and said to the Jews, I find no fault in him. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of the at the Passover. Will ye that therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? No, not this man, they cried, not this man. Praise God. Let Barabbas, Barabbas was a robber, he was a thief, he was a murderer. Mark 15 and 7 tells us that. He was, uh, he was, he was one that would cause insurrection. And so they cried for him. You know, you look in the world today at so much injustice, and you think, that's so much injustice. There was so much injustice done here to Christ. The crowd, in their frenzy, rejected the Son of God, and they chose a, a, a criminal. They took Jesus out, and the result of this, Pilate had Jesus scourged. He was hoping that they would uh, accept him at that point, be happy. Praise God. Little did the Jews know that, uh, nor did Pilate know, that the very actions filled the prophecies in the scriptures. All along, it filled the scripture prophecies. But uh, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon us, and by his stripes were healed. Isaiah 53 and 5. The stripes that Jesus took at the hand of Pilate's man paid for the healing that men and women receive today. Many years later, Peter would capitalize on that by saying, who his, his own self bear our sins and whose stripes were healed, 1 Peter 2 and 24. You see, total redemption, both from the sin and all sickness, is seen in Psalms 103 and 3. David saw it in the past. He said, who forgiveth all their iniquities? who healeth all their diseases. The price Jesus paid was not a partial price, but it was a complete price for all. 
You see, healing of the sick is one of the signs that follows believers. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall lay on hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark 16 and 17. See, the Bible gives us instructions to pray for healing for believers today. Uh, James says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. It's amazing how when we get sick or something, first thing we think of is aspirin or run to the hospital. And pastors or the, the ministry never gets a call. But the Bible tells the Christian that they're to call for the sick. Call for the sick. Call and, and request prayer. It is God's will to heal the sick. We simply need to have faith in the Lord and to obey him. Praise God. Christ died on Calvary. The crucifixion of Jesus was a cruel event in, all, in the entire history of the human race. You know what? There's never a man that didn't deserve to die. If you know somebody that died at the hands of somebody cruel or at the hands of somebody just or died before their times, you can say that man didn't deserve to die or that woman did not deserve to die. But there's no one that they can say this more than Christ. He did not deserve to die. Praise God. The crucifixion of Christ. On the cross, Jesus took upon himself all the sins of the world and he knew no sin. Praise God. But they mocked him. The soldiers mocked him. And Jesus was scourged. And the soldiers took him into a common hall where a band of soldiers had gathered together. They stripped Jesus and placed a scarlet robe on his wounded, bleeding back. They then plaited a crown of thorns and placed them upon his head. Praise God. And amen. And they put a reed in his right hand and bowed before our Lord and mocked him. They cried, Hail, King of the Jews. And the soldiers then spit upon him took the reed from his hand and beat Jesus upon the head. They placed the scarlet robe and, and his own clothing and led, they replaced the scarlet robe and his own clothing and they led Jesus up to Calvary. On the way, they saw a man by the name of Simon. Jesus was not able to carry that cross because of the weight. And they, on the way to Calvary, and they got a hold of Simon and they had him carry the cross. They offered Jesus vinegar mixed with gall to drink. After he tasting it, Jesus realized what it was and he would not drink. The soldiers crucified, placing his cross between those two thieves. On the cross it said, praise God, Jesus the King of the Jews. They mocked him on that cross. They, they put him down. The agony that he must have faced that night was probably horrendous. Amen. There was two thieves on, on the cross. One of them, there are two criminals actually, one of them, amen, said to Jesus, they said, if you'll be the Christ, take us down. The other said, what are you talking about? We deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. And the one said, praise God, Lord, help me. And the Lord said, he answered him, he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, that's the thing that we all need to understand we only need to know Jesus to get in and to obey him. Praise God. 
So his forgiveness came on the cross. Jesus made a statement, praise God, his compassion, even those who crucified him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Praise God. After Jesus' death, amen, after his, he dead, died, the Bible said the veil in the temple rent in two. Praise God. And the Holy Ghost said, no more Old Testament. Now it's the New Testament. There was an earthquake, and all the graves, praise God, of the saints opened up. And some of them went into town. That had to be tremendous. The Roman centurion took note of these unusual uh, occurrences, praise God, and was smitten with fear and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Praise God. Those like Joseph of Arimathea, praise God, that came to Jesus by night, the rich man, praise the Lord, came and asked Pilate for the body of Jesus that he could put him in the grave. Nicodemus, the same man who Jesus that night had told him that a man must be born again in the water and the spirit, amen, helped Joseph. And they wrapped the body of Jesus and put it in the grave. What looked like defeat, you know, that's the amazing thing about God. What looks like defeat, if you've got something that looks like defeat in your life, what looks like defeat to God is not defeat, praise God. God, he takes the, the weak and he makes it strong. But what looked like defeat, amen, was the promise to the coming world, amen, that God was going to save the world, praise God. So Jesus lives. God's plan called the Messiah to come forth out of the grave, amen. That grave could not hold him. Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees asked, asked him, said, Master, would see a sign of thee? And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. And shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth? That's the, praise God, the sign in which the Lord had gave to them. So, you know, it's amazing to me because the guards came to Pilate and they said, they, we want to make sure that the grave is secure. If they would have never done that, praise the Lord, and Jesus would have been resurrected, they could have said that his disciples come and got the body. But it's amazing how people will try to stop the will of God and how that it actually acts, adds to the will of God. And so they came and, and they tried. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the wife of Cleophas, the mother of James and Salome, uh, they came to the grave that day and found that Jesus was gone. But Mary saw him later, and it recorded in the fact of his resurrection. Paul stated that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen, praise God, of the twelve. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom greater part remain until this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James and of all the apostles, and at last, he was seen of us in due time. Jesus appeared several times to his disciples during them 40 years. After his resurrection, he ate with them. He gave, praise God, commands unto them and told them the Great Commission. He gave them the Great Commission. You can see it at the end of all the Gospels. Amen. 
He talks about faith and repentance and water baptism and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus was ascended with his disciples, praise God, at Mount Olives, amen, near Bethany. And he told them, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Messiah. Praise God. Amen. They would believe and be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. As the disciples looked up at him skyward, the angel come down and said, what are you doing? And uh, they said, well, we're, we're watching. And he says, well, you know, he will come in like manner. So he sent them to Jerusalem. Next week, Lord's willing, we're going to talk about the book of Acts and how that uh, the Lord was the birth of the church and uh, how that the church came. And uh, it, is, it is exciting. The birth of the church, um, the, what happened in the upper room, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. We're going to talk about the first New Covenant sermon um, that happened. Peter preaches it. And uh, it's going to be really exciting. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then we're going to go through it, the birth of the church, and then um, water, the water baptism, all that. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus' name, which is extremely important. Um, of course, we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost and uh, talk about what the Holy Ghost is. And then, praise God, the purpose. We'll be talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, and how the Spirit works in um, the different forms. Praise God. How it gives us power, it teaches all the things that the Holy Ghost gives us power, teaches etc. So it's really exciting. Let's all stand. Lord is good, isn't he? Yes, sir. Praise God.